The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. Listen to Matt Slick Live. Today's date is, uh, let's see, February 6th. 2022. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do, whew, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Um, okay. So uh, let's see. Let's see. We got that going. A lot of stuff happening. If you want to, you can give me a call at. Uh, let's see. Look at all that stuff, man. Just give me a call. <laughs> Stuff's happening. Okay, eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. If you want to email me, all you have to do is uh, just go to your web uh, thing, whatever you email with, and contact me at info at carm dot org. Info at carm dot org, and you can uh, give me uh, you know you can email me there, make a comment, whatever it is, and uh, then. Uh, we can, we can, you know, I can read your stuff over the air that way. All right. I think that's it. I'm looking here and there, and we've got a caller waiting, so I'll just jump on the calls. Let's get to Rudolph from North Carolina. Rudolph, welcome. You're on the air. Yes, sir. Um, my question is, how would a, how should a Christian respond to public prayer? Well, I don't know how all Christians should, uh, but I can tell you how I do. If uh, there's a public prayer, uh, and I've been involved with them here in Idaho, where, for example, they'll have a public prayer thing, and I was asked to pray a few years in a row, where public gathers we pray. Other pastors would be there, and they would pray. So let's say a Roman Catholic got up and uh you know, he has a right to pray too. And so he prays. I would not join him in his prayer. I would just pray to my Lord by myself. If a Mormon got up and did that, I wouldn't participate in it and things like that, you know. Um, I'd probably just look out into the crowd and not bow my head during, uh, you know, the, the, the prayers of, of false religious groups. So that's how, that's how I handle it. I don't know about others, but that's what I do. Okay. Because the reason why I'm asking is because when that football player um, went down, they were calling for people to pray publicly. And I'm like, you know, yeah, if I can't pray with a person that's a Mormon or, you know, right. Catholic or they, ecumenical right. mess is big time in this country. And I'm trying to figure out if you were around there, what would you do? So, okay. Hmm. I, I, that's probably the best answer. Well, uh, yeah, I, I would say, you know, it's, I like it in public events when someone said, let's pray. I think it's a good idea because I want prayer to be something as part of the public eye. But, uh, you know, then we have particulars where we do we pray and join in with false religious groups. And the answer would be no. So, I was, if I, like I said, if I was uh, up on the stairs of the... Uh, of uh, the Boise State Capitol 
and uh, a Catholic were to come up and pray, I would just stand there politely and uh, I'd just look out at the crowd and wait till he's done because I'm not going to, you know, participate in his, his uh, paganism. But, uh, you know, and that's it. You know, if you're in a football stadium and they say, well, let's pray, well, you can pray to Jesus. You know, you can pray. You can, you can do that. It's not, you're not a public figure at that point. And so you could do that anonymously in a group. Now, if I'm a public figure in a public setting, I need to set a, a different example. So if you're praying, in a like 50,000 people in a crowd, no one's going to know, no cameras are on you, no, there's no nothing. You know, if I was in that situation, I'd be praying to my Lord, you know, and, and that's it. Okay? Okay. All right. Well, thank you. God bless you. Bye. Okay. Well, sure, man. No problem at all. Thanks for calling, Rudolph. All right. Okay, let's get to uh, Mary from Utah. Mary, welcome. You're on the air. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Hello. Okay. Uh, hi, Matt. And uh, God bless you, and thank you for still being on the air and and guiding us through the Holy Spirit, to the truth. Um, I, I have a question. My mother, um, she was, you know, we've always went to the Assembly of God Church, but um, mm -hmm. she used to start going to this apost uh, Pentecostal, apostolic, what do you call it, apostolic Apostolic. Is, is it a and United Pentecostal Church? United Pentecostal or United uh, Apostolic? Uh, you know, it, I... It, yeah, I think it says United Pentecostal. It's on the it's on Redwood Road, and about twenty something south. And um, and I just I drove by there, and my they've been trying to get me to go. Um, but I, I went and googled it, and it said the difference is it um, something about they don't believe in a Trinity or or I don't yeah. know. I'm just kind of yeah, it's a cult. There. It's a cult. Okay. Uh -huh. So, yeah, it is. It's a non-Christian cult. That's why I was asking if it's United Pentecostal and, and they did not the Trinity. Yeah, so it's a non-Christian cult. United Pentecostal, United Apostolic. Um, yeah, basically, any church with the word united in it is bad, except for the United Reform. That's a, a good good church. So uh, what city down there in Salt Lake? Is it Salt Lake City? Or what? Yeah, uh, it's on a, a right around... Uh... 20, let's see, what is it, around 20, about probably 2,900 south around there, and Redwood Road, okay. and it's right, um, it's, I, now, is there different, is there different apostolic churches? Yes, yes, um, okay. so let me, let me find it, but if they did not the Trinity, it's just a non-Christian cult, and, and I'd be willing to talk to your friend, whoever it is, uh, 2480, let's see, My mom. Yeah, it's your mom. Yeah, I'd be willing to talk to her yeah. and explain why. Uh, but if she's gone to the Assemblies of God, the AOG, um, I'm going to really step on some toes. But uh, I'm not surprised. The Assemblies of God is oh. uh, is uh, you know it's a little on the yeah it's a little it's Pentecostal and there's okay with you know speaking in tongues. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but uh, let's just say that uh, they're going south. Assemblies of God going south. They have women pastors and elders and things like that. And so, uh, you, yeah. but the United Pentecostal is absolutely a, a cult. It's a oneness Pentecostal group. Uh, speaking in tongues is necessary for salvation. You have to get baptized, quote-unquote, in Jesus' name. 
uh, you have to obey Acts 238. You got to do all these things they say, and uh, it's a cult. I debate them regularly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so my mom's coming out of her cafe right. She's coming out of her cafe right now. I wanted her to hear it from you. Sure. You know. Put her on the phone if you, that's okay. Sure. Yeah. She, she's coming out yeah. right here. Here she comes. Here she comes right now. Okay. okay. All right. Get mom. Is she coming? Because she's taking my she's taking my sister with her too. Where's mom? Okay. Oh, here she comes. Okay. Come here. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's all right. Yeah. Because I got I kind of got a at the buffet about this. Uh, okay. Hi, Matt Slick. This is my mom, Ida. She's the owner of Salazar's Cafe. Um, and he wants to tell you he's very knowledgeable in the Bible. He's on the radio. He wants to tell you about that church you go to. It's in a cult. Go ahead, Matt. <laughs> no, listen. No, he's right here. No, hold on. Hold on. Okay. Okay, Matt. Here's my mom. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. okay. Hi, how Go are ahead, you? Matt. Okay. Okay. Mom. Are, Ida, Hi. are you there? Hello. Hi, Ida. Are, yes. are you there, Ida? Hello? Boy, okay. I see you have a Mexican yes. restaurant. I'm going to have to get down there. I love Mexican food. And uh, I'm looking at your Facebook page. Pretty good. But uh, so uh, you can hear me okay, right? Yes, I can hear you okay. Is it going to take a long time because i got my hands full of butter? <laughs> no, I was going to tell you that the United Apostolic Church is a non-Christian cult. All right? It's a cult. Okay. It denies okay. the Trinity and it adds works to salvation. And it's it's considered a cult, okay? Okay. Yeah. And so. Thanks for telling me. Uh, it, it, yeah. Now, I can tell you, I can, you know, give information where you can go to get good churches, but uh, down there, because I've been down there in Salt Lake many times. I have friends down there. I'm in Idaho, but it's a uh, you know it's Iglesia Falsa, okay? Okay. All right. Are you there? I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Yes. Okay. Yeah, she she can hear you. Can you? Can okay. You, I can hear you, but can you can you can also call me call me on my phone if you want to. What's that? Can you <laughs> call me on my phone? Well, if uh, if they give it to, if she gives it to the uh, uh, the producer, he writes it out. Then I can write it down. And I can call you afterwards after we're off the show. Okay. Yeah. Or if you want to call. Or you can call on the okay. show. Okay. Call me back. Get, okay, get so get us. Okay. Yeah. But not, not right now. Give me, give me okay. An and and can, and Matt, can you tell her? Can, can mm-hmm. you tell her that uh, the uh, Calvary Chapel is a good church to go to? Yeah, it is. Go go to Calvary Chapel. There's one in there in Salt Lake. I've been to it several times, and it's a good church. Go there. Okay. But stay away from the United okay. uh, Pentecostal. It's a cult, non-Christian cult. Just stay away. Okay. Okay. Okay, thank you so much, Matt. Thank You're you. You're welcome. All right. You don't know. You don't have no idea what I went through the weekend. Of, you know, with everybody getting on me about that, and I, I'm so glad. 
Well, you know, you can always email me at the CARM's uh, website, info at CARM.org, and you can put this stuff out. I can call them up. I can explain stuff, why it's so dangerous and what, what makes it bad. I, you know, I'm only five hours away. I would drive down there if a church wanted to host me and have me speak and we could meet everybody and things like that, and they could talk and I could explain it, among other things. So there's ways to do stuff, okay? All right. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Matt. I mean, you know, you can call Salazar's Cafe at 801 uh, <laughs> 485-0172. Yeah, I see the, uh, yeah, it looks, Mexican food, I like I like Mexican food, so I'll check it out. But it's, it's on, uh, okay. yeah, well, you're on, uh, okay. Yeah, it's on 30, okay. 33. Thank you yeah. so much, okay. Matt. All right, well, God bless. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you for okay. your patience. Hey, no okay. problem, it's Bye. all right. Okay, okay, bye. All right. Hey, how about that? That was fun. <laughs> That's fine. No big deal. All right. Hey, we have four open lines. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Let's get to Tracy from Virginia. Tracy, welcome. You're on the air. Uh, yes, I was just talking, I guess, with your producer, and I noticed when you said, Churches that have the word "united" in them are possible mm-hmm. bad bad road to go down. Yes. Um, and I was telling him, like the United Methodist Church, which I do yes. not belong. I I, I like bad. Baptist Church. Yeah, it's and bad church. It just yeah. I'm I, well, my neighbor who's elderly left it after fifteen twenty years um, because they were having meetings on. You know, legalizing the gay marriages mm-hmm. in their churches, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to tell you that, like, when you said that, it just, like, hit me like lightning. I said, that's you're right. so right. And now, I'm, I mean, you know, that's what I wanted to ask you. Um, well, I don't we, we have a break. We have a break. Can you hold on? Tracy, we've got a break. we got to take a hard break here, so we'll be right back, okay? Hey, folks, three open lines, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Let's get on the air here. Back with Tracy. Okay, Tracy, go ahead. Um, yeah, so we were talking about the United Churches mm-hmm. um, with that uh, title, and mm-hmm. I was agreeing with you because my neighbor, who had belonged to a Methodist church for over a decade, like 15, almost 20 years, and mm-hmm. I went with her one time. I knew I didn't belong immediately, but I didn't say anything to her, and um, anyway, they were trying to get the gay movement to be able to be recognized in that church and the Methodists from all over the United States, I believe, went to mm-hmm. meet on yes. it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, they were telling the elderly to go build their own church, basically bringing in the new and, and getting out the old. Um, but so when you said united and what that meant, that's pretty... Uh, it, not only did I don't believe in the Methodist, it makes more sense to me now because it is a united Methodist. Right. So, it's, yes, um, and uh, it's a non-Christian uh, group too. 
because they add works yeah, to yeah. salvation and they're as liberal as you can be they affirm homosexuality oh, abortion and, and all of this stuff and so it's just uh it's bad mm-hmm. yeah well i wanted to thank you. i'm actually driving right now so i listen to your program every night at six okay. and uh i appreciate you thank you so much god bless you you're welcome god too god bless <laughs> All right. All right. For open lines, 877-207-2276. Bob from California. Welcome. You are on the air. Hi. Good, good uh, afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon. Um, I have a question. Have you ever heard of the book, um, Books in a Parlor? Uh, it's a game I know about, but uh, past the pigs, well, that's, that's the game. No, I don't know about that one. What's the book on deliverance ministry? It's called the Best Guide to uh, Deliverance. Deliverance ministry. Those are usually yeah. Those are usually problematic. Usually. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's see. Um, let me look it up. Uh, yeah. The uh, okay. Here we go. Interesting. Yep. A Practical Guide to Deliverance by Frank Hammond. That rings a bell, and that's bad news. This guy's bad news. I wouldn't trust it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I wondered about that, because I have a friend on Facebook who uh, I, who recommends the book, and I just want to know what your thoughts were on it. Well, I haven't read it. And I don't like to just judge a book by its cover. However, uh, a deliverance ministry by that guy, uh, bad news. So there's a lot of ignorance that's going around in the Christian church. And my experience with people who have experienced deliverance ministries is that they are worse off when they're done. Uh, The deliverance ministries that I've heard of, had people tell me stories of, have been horrific. Uh, and, And causing mental, emotional problems, all kinds of stuff. Where the deliverance individual who does the deliverance gets control, emotional, mental control over somebody. Confess all your sins. I'm going to write them all down. And let's get all of them. What about that? What about this? Oh, that opens up you for this. And they just do this uh, real in-depth thing where they get all your secrets out. It makes people very, very vulnerable. And then uh, they go, okay, well, that, you probably have a demon of this and a demon of that. Let's work on it. And then if you don't uh, get delivered because you still have problems, oh, well, now you, you've really gotten some problems. And, and it just causes people to to uh be in distress and there's i could do deliverance ministry a lot better than they can uh because it you have to you know you have to focus on who jesus is what jesus has done and who you are in christ and to know that no demonic force can can indwell you if you are a christian and that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world the juxtaposition of the of the indwelling of, of the evil one and the and the and Christ and so this is the kind of stuff that needs to happen they need to know about the sovereignty of God the wisdom of God the holiness of God they need to be built on those things and then the issues of your own sins that need to come up and be brought up uh, by the persons voluntarily doing it I, I you know I, this thing happened to me when I was younger I got to talk about it. okay let's talk about it but you always point them to Christ and the cross. But deliverance ministers, often what they do is require money. Uh, some, some do, some don't. Spend a long period of time, get lots of information, and generally speaking, just make things a lot worse. Okay? 
Okay, great. Well, that's, uh, I just wanted to be sure about that. Okay, well, that pretty much answers my question. Uh, yeah, thank okay. you so much. Sure, no problem at all. All right, well, God bless. Okay. You too, man. All, all right. right. Bye. All right, we have four open li- or five open lines. If you want to give me a call, 877 Two, uh, just read something. Two, uh, two. Oh, let's try to get eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. I'm looking at the email here. People email me about stuff. Have you ever read Martin Luther's book Bondage of the Will? I believe I did in my Lutheran college. I went to back in the eighties. If so, would you think of it? Uh, do you agree with him? I can't tell you what I do or don't. It's been so long, but uh, for the most part, I remember. I thought it was pretty good. But I can't tell you particulars. Uh, it's just been so long. So I took all of the theology courses in, uh, it was called Christ College Irvine, which is now called Concordia University in Irvine, California. That's where I got my bachelor's in social science. And then from there I went to seminary in Escondido and got my MDiv. So I, I took, the, like I said, all the tough classes preparing for seminary. And Bondage of the Will was one of the reading assignments. I remember going through it, but I don't remember too much about it. But I do remember thinking, this is really good. Luther really did a good job. He understood a lot. So uh, that's all I can tell you about that. All right, let's see. And then so-and-so wants to call me. Yeah, you can call. Uh, let's see. Call discuss the accounting for the laws of logic. Yeah, that guy's listening. You can call. Questions for Matt. I have some questions like to ask you. Can a true believer completely stop believing? No. A true believer is regenerate uh, and been granted faith by God, Philippians 1.29, and the faith is in Christ, John 6.29. And that means that your sins have been paid for, uh, all of them. And that's Colossians 2.14. The sin that was canceled at the cross is not canceled when you, when you believe. A lot of people don't know this, but the sin debt, your sin debt, uh, the, of the elect. It's the only way it works. It was canceled at the cross. You're justified when you believe. Justification is by faith, Romans 5.1, Romans 3.28. So, uh, this is the work of God. And so he's not going to leave you. And you believe because of the work of God. God granted that you believe, Philippians 1.29. You're born again, not of your own will, John 1.13. And you're caused to be born again, First Peter one three. So to stop believing means you have changed or become unregenerate. Well, here's the problem: God is the one who regenerates us by His hand. Well, does He unregenerate you? And it wouldn't make any sense either. So no. Number two: If a Christian cannot lose his salvation, does a Christian need to worry about taking the mark of the beast? Yes, you do. Uh, you don't want to take the mark of the beast. You don't want to be in conflict with God at all. And we can do some particulars about possibilities, what that would mean, but we got a break coming up with some more questions. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. All right. There we go. All right, so let's get back to the email, and we've got some more questions. At what point of the tribulation will the mark of the beast happen? I don't know. Uh, It might be at the beginning. 
I, I don't know. That's a good question, though. At what point can we 100% identify the Antichrist? <laughs> Probably when he requires a, a mark <laughs> upon your forehead and your uh, your hand in order to buy and sell. Uh, in one of your videos, I heard you say that the mark is in Hebrew or Greek. Can you explain this? No. The mark of the beast uh, is a mark, but we don't know what it is uh, exactly. But the name of the Antichrist, in it's either Hebrew or Greek, but I think it's in Greek, it is specifically referring to, probably is, is uh, 666. What that means is that in the Hebrew and in the Greek, the letters are also numbers. So we have two sets of characters, A, B, C, and 1, 2, 3. But they only have one set, and they use the same set for numbers and letters. So, when you write letters, you're also writing a set of numbers. So the name of the Antichrist, either in Hebrew and or in Greek, uh, should will be 666. That's the uh, the name. That's what that means. All right. Hope that is helpful. And uh, that person is um, is listening. All right. Let's see. Howdy. I'm a spirit-filled Christian. I'm curious why those that speak about the Trinity need to make Jesus God. <laughs> oh, man. You're a spirit-filled Christian and you don't believe Jesus is God, then you are not a spirit-filled Christian. Uh, so, uh, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, just a bad email uh, writing and syntax here for the confusion. I'm curious why those uh, that speak of the Trinity need to make Jesus God. We don't need to make him God. We are telling you what the Bible says about him. He is God in flesh, second person of the Trinity. That's what the Bible teaches. So um, that's it. It's not a need that we have as if it's not true. So uh, that's going. That's that. So I would suggest that person give me a call and we can talk. All right, we can talk about uh, all of that. All right, let's get to Ryan from Pennsylvania. Ryan, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt, thank you very much for inviting me to call. All right, sure. Um, I sent you an email about uh, the accounting for logic. Hang on uh, a second. And said I could use it publicly, that was you. Yeah, I'm looking at it, but let's just say I'm so busy, I've hardly even worked on any articles. Uh, there's just a lot happening right now. There is a lot of stuff going on. You know, just stuff I have to do, I'll just tell you. Stuff I have to do for the working and the running of the ministry behind the scenes. That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. No, so, I understand that. That's why I, I asked for permission to call before I call. Yeah, you don't need permission. You just call. It says here, I am a okay. physically existing sentient thing. Okay, I live in a physically existing universe. Uh, as a physically existing sentient thing in a physically existing universe, I encounter other physically existing things. As I encounter other things, I attain knowledge of those things. As a I'm able to construct models of the physically existing universe. Yeah, that's a basic. It's it's kind of a combination of, of rationalism and um, existentialism, or. Uh, no, actually, actually, it's empiricism. Empiricism is what I was going, that's what I was looking for. Thank you. See, there you go. So it's a kind of a combo between them. As I walk in a forest, I gather two acorns in each hand. At the end of the one, to combine my contents of the hands, extract the following model, 2 plus 2 is equals 4. You're inserting upon the physical realm the laws of logic, and you cannot extract those laws no, from not. the physical. Yes, you are. Yeah, I'll explain how. You, the, the laws of logic are mental abstract entities. They are not physical uh, attributes. Uh, 
what you're doing is observing something in the physical realm and then applying a mathematical value, which means you have to presuppose the universality of the number two in this existence, as well as the word plus and the value of equality, and then the number four. And so you're presupposing the law of identity in those universals. You're not extracting them out of the okay. out of there. And then when you have those, you're also accessing the fundamental aspect of, of addition and equality. But those are not things that, that you observe. You're concluding those and constructing those in your own mind, which is a, 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 a process of the mind. That's what's going on. Okay. When I conclude all dogs are mammals, have I extracted that from the world around me? No, it's called a deduction. It's an, or an, excuse me, an induction is what it is, is that you're just simply assuming a universal value, but then what you're probably going to be t raising here is leave this uh, law of, of the indiscernibility of identicals, which is just simply a, a variation on law of identity. So if you assert that all dogs by definition are mammals, then by definition that's what it is, you're not really saying anything. So but what well, you're doing if is I say if it's something. a dog, then it's a mammal? You that's can say all dogs are mammals, but from the world around us? no, that, that's that's an observation that you are then saying, and you have to identify what a dog is. So if you say, you, you and I are sitting there, and you say all dogs are mammals, I can ask you, well, what's a dog and what's a mammal? Mm -hmm. And I can point to the animals and say, okay, that's a dog. Yeah, but see, when we get it, are you familiar with justified true belief? Um, I'm familiar with the idea of warranted true belief by Alvin Flanagan, and I'm okay. also uh, familiar with um, uh, properly basic belief. Yeah, there you go. Let's go with properly basic beliefs, okay? So you want to be able to find what the ultimate source is of the ba basis upon which these, from which these properly basic beliefs are derived or asserted. If you want to say they're axiomatic, well then all axioms exist inside of a context instead of a causal chain of events. They are they don't have a seity in themselves. They are not a say. So you have to have a context. So what you're talking back to two plus two equals four, the the quality of two ness is a universal abstract entity. Okay? You you're can not call it three, you can call it five, as long as it's a consistent reference, it doesn't matter what number you use. Yeah, I get that. But two, we understand what two is. And it doesn't matter what you call it. We call it two. In Spanish, it's dos. Okay, so what? Uh, dua in the French, I believe it is. Un, dua, dua. My wife tells me this stuff. And so that's all it is. But the concept of what the sound represents, that concept, that abstract entity, is not derived because of our observation. We apprehend it because of its already extant uh, properties. Okay? Okay. The, uh, I... I think I've given you a concrete example of how we account for logic and mathematics, and it is directly um, um, observed from our uh, the world around no, it's us. it's not. And we extract these models out. How is that? Okay, I'll show you. I'll show you. A equals if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Do you observe that occurring in nature without imposing a logical value upon them? Sure, because we have extracted that from uh, observation from the world. No, 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 no. You didn't hear what I said. Without imposing a logical value upon them. Because a if A equals sure. B and B equals C, then A equals Z, that's called the law of proper inference. Then what you're doing is you are imposing a construct in your mind upon the physical world. See, what you observe, right. yes, it is. You don't understand what universals are. You don't understand. Yes, I do. 
No, you don't. Here's, okay, here, let's, let's begin with this. If I say, if it's a dog, then it's a mammal, and I extract out from that, if A, then B, then that is exactly the same thing as you've done from proper inference. No, you are then imposing if A, then B, going to modus ponens. You're saying, look, I'm going to just hold this value. It's an abstraction. Logic is an abstract process. It's not observed in reality. You're conflating the process with the, uh, with the physical realm. It doesn't work like that. No, I'm not. What I'm doing yes, you is I'm are. extracting it from the physical realm. No, you're not. You can't observe it through empiricism. Empiricism is only validated by people who assume empiricism, which is circular reasoning, and invalidates the position. You can't observe it because you don't know if what you're observing is universally accurate. You're presupposing a That's universal, you but you don't observe many observations. You, you don't observe universals. You deduce universals. No, you don't. You don't observe a universal. Do you observe that all men are mortal? No. A universal, like number two. You don't observe two-ness. You don't observe two-ness, the quality and nature and essence of the abstract principle called two-ness. If you draw number two on a you piece of paper... You two-ness from nature. No, you don't, because if nature, uh, here, let me do it this way, properties can be measured. Properties of the physical world can be measured. They can be seen or taken a picture of or whatever it is, the instruments, they, they're measurable. You can't measure the number two. If they're related to the physical sure world and you extract them out of the physical world, then you have to be able to measure That's them exactly because they'd be properties. They'd be properties of the physical world. You can't measure two-ness. You look at two acorns in your hand. You're not measuring. Okay, Ryan, I'm going to tell you this, that you need to study up on this issue of the ultimate nature of the universals and transcendental necessities of behind them because you're not getting it. Um, we got to break anyway. Okay, Matt. Keep trying. We've got to go, buddy. We've got to go to a break. So, hey, we have four open lines, 877-207-2276. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey, everybody. How you doing out there? I'm going to wait until the music goes down. All right. I think they're busy. There we go. Yeah, they're, they're busy. All right. Let's get on the line with Monique from North Carolina. Monique, welcome. You're on the air. Thank, thank you. Uh, wait a minute. I think I might. Can you hear me okay? Is there an echo? No, I hear you. It's a little bit tinny, but okay. that's okay. 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 So bear with me. So I say in all humility, I'm, I'm going to put this so it'll be uh, hopefully pointed. I have quite a few scriptures that I'm well, going to be referring what's your, to. Well, hold on. I, I don't want you to read a bunch of stuff. I just want you, first of all, I want to know what your question is so we can then kind of go from there. Right. That's, that's what I'm trying to set up. So I'm going to put this pointed. Uh, example. Uh, the question, the end from the beginning is how you identify uh, where a person in sin falls under these things. And this is why I was talking about the scriptures. There is, the, okay, so there's the scripture talking about, um, 
I don't say that there's a sin that he should, you know, I should say that you don't pray for the sin. And that's why I wanted to point to the exact scripture so you know what I'm talking about. Okay. It's First John 5, okay, so, 16 through 17, where he talks yeah. about, you know, there is a sin that leads to death. I don't say we should pray for it. And then we talk about, so we want to identify what that is, I guess I should say, first. Well, it says there's a sin not leading to death in First John five seventeen. That's what it says. Right. There's a sin so, and the Bible doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us. Go ahead. It doesn't doesn't tell us oh. what it is. Okay. Oh. And okay. verse sixteen is it? There is a sin leading to death, or is it not leading to death? So there's commentators who've discussed this, and uh, all sin leads to death. All of it does. Right. So what's he doing? It looks like he's talking about sins that lead directly lead to death. Well, maybe. Or is he talking about, like, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Or certain kinds of sins that will end up killing you, like alcoholism, drug addiction? Or is he talking about something different, a spiritual thing? So there's just been some debate about what it is, or I should say discussion, because no one really knows for sure. Okay. Okay, so where, where, where I'm going with that is he... And I understood, obviously, what you just said. He says, this, you know, we, I don't say that he should pray for it. So that alone, obviously, he's telling us we shouldn't pray for it. There isn't obvious. There isn't it. So I heard what you just said in response to that. But where I'm going, and, and this is why I wanted to bring the example. For example, somebody like Beyonce. Um, who came out initially, oh, I'm Christian, whatever, and then we see her works now and all these references and things like that. Going to the scripture about, um, so Hebrews 6, 4 through 6, I think, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I'm very familiar with that. Okay, so again, in, in the beginning I was saying, I'm trying to identify how we determine which one of these, and you were talking about, you don't want me to read a lot of things, but that's No, no, I'm no, I just, I just don't know what, what you're doing. That's all I'm saying is, sometimes people get on the air, and they want to do a whole big intro. I don't know what they're doing, and I, I just yeah, have to be yeah. careful. That's all I'm saying. So if you tell me what yeah. the question is, oh, okay, now I know what's going on, all right? Right, that's why, again, I was trying to set it up that way so it would be pointed. That's what I meant by pointed. So, you know, a person, and I gave the example of Beyonce just because that's somebody on a national stage that I think most people would know at one point, oh, I'm, you know, I'm Christian and the Bible and directly going to that. And then now all the, all the whatever this is, darkness kind of stuff, um, as an example. But the other scriptures, because I'm trying to delineate between these different things, of course, we just went through those Hebrews 6, 4 through 6, the, the John, first John scripture. But also, um, oh gosh, the uh, second, okay, no, that's where I come from. Um, Jude, Jude 1, first Jude, of course, 22 through 23. Um, some have compassion, making a difference, and others stay with fear, pulling them out of the fire, you know, mm-hmm. hating the garments spotted by flesh. Uh, I've right. asked you before about the turning over to Satan, and I think you, we concluded that we weren't quite sure who had the authorities to do that or in, in what exactly it was. Because uh, he does say, so that he learns not to blaspheme. He didn't say necessarily blaspheme the Holy Spirit, but I, I wouldn't know that that would be referring to any other kind of blasphemy. 
So this is what I mean about delineating between where these people fall in these different areas okay. that are being spoken up here. Do you, okay. Um, you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a gradation of sin with the categorizations of these are. That's a. It's an interesting endeavor to try and figure that out. And I've looked uh, at different kinds of sins in the Bible, and the Bible does say that there's some are worse than others. And so, but some people say all sin is equal. That is not true. It's a common misnomer. Uh, Jesus said uh, to the Pharisees when they were, you know, falsely accusing him, and he says, "You who uh, pass his judgment are, have the greater sin." And so. Uh, so I, I don't know how to answer you uh, because I don't think the Bible gives us enough information, at least that I'm aware of. So I've not studied it particularly like that. I think what you could probably do is get some categorization ideas, but not know exactly what to fill them in as. How many? And it's, it's a toughie, okay? And it really is. Okay, I guess, yeah, I, I can understand that response, and I'll leave yeah. it there. I, yeah, I'm just real curious about... You know, there's those who oppose themselves and how the scriptures says we are to be. I, I take that with anybody, whatever the sin is. I try to anyway, you know, in a, in a spirit of meekness and not, you know, argue them down. Because, of course, there's no point in that. But um, I can accept that if that's, you know, just yeah. kind of your, yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, I get I what you're doing, that's... yeah. But I just don't know. Yeah. It's a good question, and uh, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure what to tell you. You know, I wish I had a great answer for you, but I just well, I'll just don't. I'll default back to I. My default is Lord, do I need to pray for this person, or are they a lost cause? Are you going to just pray for repentance? Them. Is that something I can know? You know, or no, just pray. But just pray. Yeah, just pray for people. Pray for them. To. Yeah, that's right. When yep. they're dead, yeah, it won't do any good to pray for them anymore. But yeah, you're you're on the right track. Just just pray for them. Okay, so good for you. Well. Thank you. Have a good night. <laughs> you too. Well, God bless. All right. You as well. Bye-bye. Thanks, Monique. All right. Let's get to Mark from North Carolina. Mark, welcome. You are on the air. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, my question is, one of them is, uh, can a Christian be possessed? I have some uh, friends that think they can be. I told no, them I didn't can't. think so. No, they can't. Let me show you the scriptural reference. Well, I told okay? you it couldn't have two spirits in it. Yes. So let me show you the scriptural reference. All right. So okay. this is Matthew uh, twelve forty three. It's almost one two three four, except the, the last two are swapped. Okay. Twelve forty three. When the Jesus says, "When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it." Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. So it was cast out of a person, right? And when it comes in, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. This is what you were just saying. Two spirits in there and can't happen, okay? Because Jesus is saying, if it's unoccupied, swept, and put in order. In other words, the demon's gone and been cast out, right? And yeah. so there's, the Holy Spirit's not indwelling the person. Okay, that's what's going on. Verse 45, then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it also will be with this evil generation. Ooh, that's really good stuff. Yeah, that gives me something else to think about. So uh, that's what's going on. 
Okay, so I've written an article on this and dealt with this, and uh, I see no place where a Christian can be possessed. Now, uh, there is a verse well, in Matthew 16. They were talking 20. about in the Gospels where Jesus cast out the man, and he was in his right mind. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't make a reference to where they came back or not. Right. So people could be demon-possessed, and they could have the demons cast out. And this right. is Matthew twelve forty three through forty five. Study that. Okay. Study that, and then cross reference it with John fourteen twenty three, where Jesus says, "The Father and He will come and live in you, make their abode in you." How can a de- right. demonic force be indwelling with Jesus? In a, in a, it doesn't make any sense. So a lot of people who teach this are, are woefully ignorant. Of biblical theology and and stuff like that, and they just they teach bad stuff. That's what's going on. Okay. Uh, one, one one final question. Uh, mm-hmm. I know the Old Testament talks about backsliding with Israel. Um, I had problems with my friends. They said, uh, "Let's say my wife and I. I'm a, I'm a Christian. My wife and I um, had an argument tonight, and I cursed her out, and I went to sleep, and I died." They said, "Well, I would be lost because." I'm no, that's, that's a, that no, that, that's uh, that's that's a load of crap. Sorry, I got to say it for what it is. All right, uh, that's that's works righteousness. That means you have to be good in every way in order to keep yourself right with God. So if you say something mean to somebody, then you die. Oh, sorry, lost your salvation. So now you're in and out of salvation depending on how good you are. That's bondage. Right. It's cult theology. It's from cult minds. It's not Christian theology. If our salvation depended on our goodness, because that's what that is. You, you get mad at your wife, you go to bed angry, you die in the middle, oh, you go to hell. What's, what utter stupidity, foolishness that is. It's just, it's a doctrine of demons, okay? And these people these who claim to be Christians will teach this stuff. And so I'm going to tell you, if it depends on our goodness to be able to repent and confess something, then we're all going to hell because there's plenty of things we haven't confessed we, and we haven't repented of that we've either done and forgotten or just not even aware we've done it. So these people, what they're talking about is uh, moralism, legalism, and bondage. Bondage to perfectionism, and it's just horrible. And they need to be severely and uh, uh, soundly rebuked for the foolish false teachers that they really are. I hope I can get that across. Just how serious this is. These people need to stop talking and they need to start studying scripture and get rid of this idiocy that they uh, adhere and embrace okay well I tell them they need to look at uh, take a close look at the scripture and see what it says opposed to what people have been saying all the That's years right. you know? amen brother you you well, got I that right your, uh, t- I appreciate your time okay all right thank you good for you alright right, Mark God bless man well, that's the end of that call. <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell you, folks. I'm going to tell you. You know, there are some things that need to be rebuked, and men of God need to stand up, and, and women of God need to stand up and say, and say, that is false. It's demonic doctrine. It needs to stop. And if you don't know your theology well, you won't be able to identify the heresies that slip under the uh, the gate, trying to get in and put people into bondage. 
Oh, yeah, you get mad at somebody and you die before you confess it. Oh, you go to hell. Well, that means you keep your salvation by your confessions, by your others. You might as well be a Roman Catholic, you know. You just, it's ridiculous. It makes me mad, you know, to hear bondage taught as truth. Okay, there we go. I'm out of time. May the Lord bless you and by his grace, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be uh, back on here tomorrow by his grace. We'll talk to you then. Have a great evening. God bless. Bye. Another program powered by the Truth Network.